Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Having a disability, whether blindness or another, can be difficult too. Sometimes a person wonders if God is even there. Yeah, but in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find... We are not alone. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. We are back. At room 4216 with the Lord as we open up his word. Today we are... On Jonah chapter 3. Okay. I wasn't sure if you wanted to say any more than that. No. Go ahead and start reading. Oh, all right. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Actually, I might say a few things here or there. Oh, okay. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Isn't that interesting? The second time. God didn't give up on Jonah. That's pretty cool that he is concerned about the individual as well as he sent him to Nineveh. I'm sorry, I interrupted. You were reading. That's all right. Hmm? Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. I read this city was so great. It took, as we read, three days, probably 60 miles uh, in diameter. It had a huge wall that was, uh, I don't know how tall, but three chariots could ride across it. A chariot is uh, the same size as a railroad train, so it's about almost eight feet across. Wow. Yeah, so we're talking a wall that can do three chariots, so we're talking a top of that wall, like 24 feet across. It could have been 50 feet high, all around the city with lots of towers. 1,500 towers, if I remember right. Ah, okay. Verse 3. Jonah obeyed the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. Uh, as it, important because it, I, it was the key city of that era, as we talked about in uh, uh, a couple lessons ago. It was the powerhouse of the day. Yes, it was. Um. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. You pointed out as we were getting ready, God was precise. Forty days. Not, you know, if you get around to it. Not if, uh, but forty days. We're going to find out as we read on. It only says the first day he traveled in and said in forty days. We have no idea whether Jonah walked these 40 days all or just stopped after day one. Hmm. But, but, but go on, please, good, if you would. A good point. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Very interesting things. First, they believed this was a thing of the heart. They changed their heart. They believed, and they believed God would destroy. This is the powerful city. They weren't afraid of anybody. But yet when they heard God would destroy them, that's when they believed, and that's what, when they changed. It wasn't that, a, that uh, some other powerhouse was going to come up against them, but God was going to drop it from heaven. It would take an army more than a day to destroy a big city like that one. So, 
they believed that when God said 40 days, as you just pointed out, he meant 40 days. And he could do it in an instant. Verse 6. When the news reached the king of Nineveh... Now that is really interesting. The uh, king wasn't wait even a minute. there. There was Will first you the let people. me keep reading? No. And we missed the thing about sackcloth. Sackcloth, I, I, my mom grew up on a farm and she showed me many burlap. The burlap is a, a material, it's a, a loosely woven, really quickly made, and, and usually it was for like holding corn, a bigger grain. And so um, sack, uh, sackcloth is very much like a burlap, rough and coarse. Scratchy. Put, put that on your skin, yeah, to make a fine linen. It takes a lot more cloth, a lot more time. So they were, they were taking something that was uncomfortable, and they sat in the dust and the ashes. In fact, that's where we get in the, in the funeral service. Uh, you're uh, you're getting ahead of me here. Oh, uh, well, okay, I'm ahead of you. Just keep this in mind. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And by fasting and praying, they were stopping what they were doing, the evil, and putting on something that made them miserable. And, and they were will... Okay, go ahead and read on. Thank you. <laughs> when the news reached the king of Nineveh, no, you're right. He wasn't there when Jonah started preaching, but he heard about this. He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and, as Pastor Dave just pointed out, sat down in the dust. I knew I heard it somewhere. That would be like sitting down in the garbage. When you sit down in the dust... And 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 uh, um, sometimes it's also um, um, in other places where we sit in sackcloth and ashes. Ashes are an interesting thing. They actually are part of what is made uh, to make soap. You actually have to take the ashes from a fire, mix it. Oh, I forgot with what, but it, it is the rough agent ashes are to help cleanse and to push away the dirt. But if you don't make it into soap, but you just sit in ashes. You get so dirty, so filthy. If you've ever cleaned out a fireplace or a fire pit, you, it's hard to get that stuff off you. You're black, you stink mm. and smelly. You can walk away and it's with you. That's why chimney sweeps were so unpopular way back in their time. And that's why they sat in it because they knew to God they stunk, they smell, and they were covered with all sorts of bad. Then he issued a proclamation in Mr. Nineveh. King. Mm -hmm. Yes. By the decree of the king and his nobles. By the decree of the king and the nobles. Do not let any man do or beast. Do not let any man or beast. All right. I'm sorry. Do I need to separate you from that microphone? Go on. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. Um, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet repent. What's amazing, before you go on there, the king is making a statement. So the people were concerned, but now it's even the king. And the king was in control of the armies. He was the one who kind of did all of the, of much of the evil. He was setting an example saying, yeah, we got to do this. 
because it is bad. And it shows that he's worried because he says, who knows? He's admitting he doesn't mm-hmm. know. And yet he delivers here a bit of hope. God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. So God changed his mind. Some might even hear in other translations it says God repented. Literally the word repent means turn from the action you were intending to a different action. You, we usually think about it from our sin to do something uh, like good. Well, God too can repent in that he will turn from one action to another action. He did that because the people repented and turned from their evil ways, believing that God not only had the power to destroy them, but to forgive them. Every week we say that reading the Bible can be difficult, and it can. And one way to interpret the Bible is to see what other parts of the Bible say about the passage we're studying, especially what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 38. Then the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to him, meaning Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, So, the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. Chapter 4 But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, 
Is this not what I said while I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life. It is better for me to die than to live. Wow. Really temperamental. And the Lord replied, Do you really have any right to be angry? (sighs) Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There, he made himself a shelter. I'll put this little tree over my head. You're at it again. I don't know what you're talking about. He sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Hmm. How soon will it be up in smoke? Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah hey. to give him shade for his head nice to, ease, to ease his discomfort. Yeah, I'm comfy. And Jonah was very happy about the very vine. Happy. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, Not happy. It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. Mm. But the Lord said, You've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died. But Nineveh, has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about this great city? Uh, Wait a minute. There's nothing more here. There's nothing more in the book. What happens next? Ooh. Cecilia, as we were talking through this Bible study, you stopped and became a little bit quiet. Um, And I think with what you were struggling was very relevant to the book of Jonah. I was thinking about uh, the time that I was angry with my uh, program director back at school in college. Now let's back up just a second here. When you say program director, you were studying to be a deaconess? That's right. And you were getting close to the end of your program? I was getting close to the middle or or second half of the program. Okay, go on. And... um, just to quickly summarize, a deaconess is a woman who uses her talents to serve God. Uh, in our church, it's a 
paid position. Usually working with a pastor uh, to do service ministry into the community as well as into the congregation. Right. Gotcha. Go on. So I was about to, we were talking about me going on my internship, a a 10-month period when I practice doing what I'd been taught to do. And back then, I had some maturity issues. And so my deaconess director said, I really think it would be a good idea if you would wait to go out on your internship. Ordinarily, uh, the deaconess student goes through her freshman, sophomore, junior year of college, and then goes out on an internship, and then comes back for the senior year. But she wanted you to delay that internship, take more classes. Grow a bit. Did you understand what she was saying? I understood that it was maturity issues, yes. And were you happy? No. You were angry. I was very angry with her and with God. So who went out here? Uh, she did. So you stayed the extra year and then went out on internship? I did. And how did that go? I failed half of it. So you didn't do well in the second half of your internship. So, all right. Which means that if... Uh, I were to go out and 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 go through the internship, I would have to go through the whole internship, not just I couldn't just do half of it again. Mm-hmm. So, in effect, sorry, but she was right. Yes, she was. And you were wrong. I was very wrong. Hmm. Well, first question from that is: Did you finish your degree? No, I never did, for different reasons. Okay. And does it hurt? Yes. Still does. Still does. Yes. Do you feel like God has abandoned you? For many years, I believed that I was useless or not as good. Did I feel like God had abandoned me? No. And I still don't. But But you felt useless and that God wasn't using you for many years. And that I couldn't be used. And how about now? No. I know that I can serve God even if I don't have the title of deaconess. It still hurts, as I said, but I'm still doing what I love doing in serving the people. So it bothers you that you don't have your deaconess? That's right. Does it bother you that you not only don't have the degree, but don't have the money that goes with that? Somewhat, yes. And yet you understand that God is using you now. I know that God is using me now. Was there a revelation that occurred after all of this that, boom, you went, oh, yep, God took care of me? No. No, it wasn't. It was you and several others helping me, but it took years for me to get to where I am now. I thought for a long time there was a big word failure written across my forehead where everyone could see it. And over time, I slowly began to learn, God's got a purpose for you yet. Do Um, you remember my definition of failure? Not even trying. Yeah. And what's the definition of success? Failure, usually one after another. (laughs) (laughs) Trying and not giving up. Right. Actually, you asked if there was a revelation. One day I was cleaning my room and... uh, uh, had some music on, and there was a song that came on, and the 
words of the song just suddenly hit me uh, from Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And I saw myself as that messed up deaconess student who had failed, but then I saw the promise of the future and God's promise that he would complete the good work in me. Thank you. What you've just described really is the life of Jonah. Jonah asked by God to do his work, and Jonah went the other way. God kept coming after him through a fish, through a vine, and Jonah found out not just in one quick time, but throughout it all, that God was with Jonah in the fish, under the vine, and under the bright sun. When one stops to think about it, the people of Nineveh, this huge city, repenting, is really an amazing miracle. Thousands of people heard the message of Jonah and repented. But, but chapter 4 just left us hanging there. Hmm. Yeah. It is because of this miracle that Jesus then turned to the miracle. The Pharisees said, we want to see a sign, a miracle sign. He was really getting fed up with them at that point. I mean, I've given you lots of signs. You've seen lots of people uh, being healed. And you want another sign? He's kind of being sarcastic. He said, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you Jonah. He was in the belly of the uh, fish three days, three nights. Well, the Son of Man, me, I'm going to be in the, uh, the belly of the heart, heart of the, of the world. Three days and three nights. And chapter four? Oh, yeah. Um, well, you know, chapter four didn't end, did it? In a way, that's kind of the story. It's not ending. We didn't hear the end of Jesus' story here. And in a way, it's not ended. We hear the great part that, yes, he did go into the heart of the earth, but he came back alive. On Easter morning, he rose. And so it is with the end of Jonah chapter 4. It's not the end of the story. God's mercy goes on. Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh. But he really never, never got it. Sad but true. If you've been watching, you can spot it. A it did not get the point. Pastor Dave, have you ever thought about being a wide receiver on a football team? <laughs> I love football. You know I love football. Uh, yes, I probably talk I try not know. to talk about football, but I love football. <sighs> yeah, I have thought about being a football. Why are you asking about me being a wide receiver? Because you duck and you weave and you twist and you turn and you can't get caught. I've asked you many times, why are we left hanging in Jonah 4? Oh, okay. You want some straight up answers on chapter 4. Straight up four. answers. All right. Well, first, notice in chapter 1 of Jonah, Jonah 
was literally fleeing from the face of God. Yes. Now in chapter 4, he is flying in the face of God. How dare you? And he did so because he had mercy. Because God had mercy. Yes, God had mercy, and he didn't like it. But now this is the interesting thing. God had mercy on Nineveh, and that's why Jonah was mad. But God was having mercy on Jonah also by giving him this plant because he didn't just swat him down for being rebellious. He was patient and having mercy. Oh, like I used to as a teen, Jonah was saying, that's not fair. (laughs) That's it. Jonah knew that God would have mercy. And he also knew that the Israelites were being stubborn and slow to repent. Obnoxiously so. Mm-hmm. And yet the Ninevites, who were supposed to be much worse than the Israelites. Violent, cruel, evil people. He was hoping they wouldn't repent, but then they did. And he didn't like it. Right. Jonah in a sense, lost face as a prophet. He would have to go back to Israel. He was stained because he didn't come back with a destroyed city. Jonah was praying in chapter 4, but not like in chapter 2. Right. In chapter 2, he was repenting. In chapter 4, he was complaining about the mercy of God rather than being grateful for God's mercy, mm-hmm. it was as though he was saying to God, I knew you would do this, that's why I didn't want to go. I told you so. You might even say Jonah was upset with God for the very nature of who God was displaying himself as, for being God, mm. merciful. I, I mean, after all, he, he Jonah said God's a merciful God. He told the Israelites that. But now God demonstrated it to the Ninevites. And Jonah was mad because what? You're going to, what's next? The world? Jonah could have been heard saying, heck, God, what are you going to do? Something ridiculous and stupid? If you're going to go to the world, you're going to give your son away or something? Just to save this sinful, ugly, dirty world of sinners? Yeah, it's like Jonah's afraid that God will run out of mercy or something. Like, if he uses it up needlessly, according to Jonah's definition, then there won't be enough of it. So here's the real reason chapter 4 is left hanging as it is. In chapter 4, we find a very discontent, grumbling, complaining Jonah. Mm Mm-hmm which is quite the opposite of probably the Ninevites, who are probably thankful and praising God because he spared the city, he spared their lives. True. A twist on their situations. And so the plant came and then died, God showing mercy one more time. He showed mercy to Jonah by sending the fish, and a then miracle. The pl- and then... To the Ninevites. For the repentant hearts. And then to Jonah. With the plant then dying. To say, I'm all about mercy. And how about you?
brings us to the end of the book of Jonah. We made it through one whole book. Yay! And that brings us to the end of this lesson. But not the end of the whole show, I hope. Not the series, I mean. What will we do next week? Well, uh, Lent is starting soon. Lent? What's Lent? It's the time before Easter when we look at Jesus preparing to die for us. His journey to Jerusalem. Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. Hmm. Okay. Join us for that. Until then, though, if you'd like to contact us about anything in the book of Jonah or other ideas for other episodes, because the journey of Jerusalem, of Jesus did Jerusalem, our email is info, I-N-F-O, at not-alone, that's N-O-T-A-L-O-N-E, dot net. See you next week. Bye. Musical credit today goes to Robert Vaughn, our awesome, talented guitarist and technical assistant, and to VeggieTales, Jonah Was a Prophet.